Mad Unreal, episode 17. This is Arthur. That is Isaac. Season 7 of Clone Wars is done. It's wrapped up in the books. I don't want to cold open anything. I just want to talk about it. Right. We're going straight Clone Wars style of late. We're skipping that opening. No moral, no nothing. We're just going into it. So, yo, it's Mad Unreal, episode 17. Let's go. Final season, final story arc. Um, I now understand why they did the Martez sisters in four episodes. Yeah, right. Yeah, it definitely that that arc. Um, although it received a little pushback online, I think um, from yeah. some fans. Uh, you and I, I know, both enjoyed it because we, you know, we talked about I, it. we broke it down on a episode a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I thought it was too long. I thought I thought they could have right. done it in yeah, three episodes, but yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, overall, I mean, dude, they they basically made a trilogy, four episodes, four mm-hmm. thirty minute episodes to constitute a two hour film. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in thirds, mm-hmm. right? That is eons better than the last <laughs> trilogy in in you know live action trilogy so basically the season what you're saying the season was three movies basically so you had the the bad batch yeah. movie then you had the trace martez or the, the the martez sisters movie yep and then you had the um return of ahsoka the return of ahsoka the siege of mandalore fall of the republic um and right. Birth of the Galactic Empire uh, trilogy right. Right. Or, or, or movie. So, yeah, I agree with you. And I, you know, the Martez sisters, it was a we both agree that it was a little bit longer than it should have been. Mm-hmm. But we both saw the I think we kind of, the, the uh, you know, if you go back and listen to that episode, we kind of prophesied the importance of that experience for Ahsoka um, and what she learned, you know, at 13, you know, in her time um in 1313 and her time with the Martez sisters mm-hmm. and how it gave her a, a different viewpoint than the one she had um, as a Padawan, you know, in the yep. upper, the upper uh, on the surface and everything in her time at the Jedi temple. And that came into play and we're going to get into that. Um, but first we're going to get into that as we break it down. But first um, let me get your, your on, on this final arc, these, these episodes from uh, old friends, not forgotten all the way to victory and death. Mm-hmm. What are your overall thoughts about the art before we really dive into it um, in a granular sense? Um, you know, I really I thought it was I thought it was great television. Mm-hmm. I thought that they they the animators were able to and and writers, you know, were able to almost, almost craft an opera mm-hmm. and um, I mean I can't say enough good stuff about it. This it's. It, I think I think it's I think it's better to contrast it with what I thought that that's probably going to be the best way for me to kind of elaborate. Right. You know, and what I th- here's what I didn't expect. I did not expect them to tell effectively tell uh, episode three from the perspective of Ahsoka, mm-hmm. you know, um, where and I know you, you can't audience can't certainly can't see my hands but where it's almost like you know episode three the film 
is, you know, at one level in the last four episodes of The Clone Wars season seven slide under it, mm. you know, mm-hmm. or, um, or even in, in kind of like coalesce with it at some point. Yeah, because in the last two episodes, you don't see Anakin or Kenobi at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they would stop the 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 season at the door of Revenge of the Sith, you know. So where and I believe it was in Episode Ten when um, Anakin brokers a split of clone forces, half go to Mandalore under the command of Ahsoka and mm-hmm. Rex. Episode nine, and, old friends not forgotten. Was it episode nine? Thank right, you. Right. And um and and yeah. Anakin and, and, and Kenobi go to Coruscant, mm-hmm. which is the jump off for the film, the last, uh, excuse me, uh, Revenge of the Sith. So um, I thought, in other words, I thought that breaking off would have been like the final episode. You know, like that's how they would have ended the story. Right. Because like Rogue we One. all know how the films go. Like, right, like Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was better, way better than what I could have imagined because, and I think you predicted this, where you thought that we were going to see order 66 and we were going to see it from Rex's perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did get that, but we, but Ahsoka was the driver of these last four episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She absolutely was the, the centerpiece. And I, you know, I've always looked at the clone wars, not as a, um, not as you have like a couple main stars. Like I've seen some Mm -hmm. people, you know, discuss that, uh, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan were the stars of, you know, the Clone Wars. And then you get into the secondary characters of Ahsoka and Rex. I've never thought that. I've thought it was ensemble. And mm-hmm. I thought on that main stage, that core ensemble group was, you know, Anakin, uh, Obi-Wan, Padme, Ahsoka, Rex, um, mm-hmm. Darth Maul, uh, you know, maybe even um, Asajj Ventress, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've always viewed it that way. But yeah, in these last four episodes, you see it's definitely Ahsoka's story. Um, mm-hmm. And this whole this whole season has been Rex and Ahsoka's story. You know, the first arc was Rex's story, you know, about him going to to right. uh, to rescue um, oh, man, Fives. No, not Fives. Uh, God, his name just, it seems like that Echo. was so, Echo. Yeah, I was about to say, Echo. it seemed like that was so long ago. It wasn't that long ago, but yeah, yeah. those episodes <laughs> seem like they were a long time ago now. But yeah, you see him going to rescue five or uh, Echo, and you see what that means to Rex on a very personal level and his mm-hmm. assertion of the clone's humanity. Um, and we talked about that in great detail um, in previous episodes. And so then you get into the Martez sisters and what, like we just mentioned a minute ago, what that does for Ahsoka. And then this final arc, I think, is it's Ahsoka in the lead, but it's really Ahsoka and Rex's story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially that, especially the last episode, Victory and Death, especially the last scene, which we'll get into um, in which a minute. It's beautiful. So for me, you know, my, my overall thoughts for this, you know, I agree with you. This was just this was epic. It was it was uh, uh, it, it was like an opera and mm-hmm. or just an epic, you know, story, an epic tale. And it really did something, I think, from a storytelling standpoint, that's that's difficult to do and very it's, it's important to do and very difficult to do. And that is when you have such an epic event like the end of the Republic and the birth of the Galactic Empire. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you have, you know, on another level, then you also have, you know, Order 66, you have the fall of Anakin Skywalker um, mm-hmm. becoming Darth Vader. These are huge epic events. How do you make those things very personal? 
you know, how do you show, how do you, like you, you said a minute ago, we saw it through Ahsoka's eyes. We saw it through Rex's eyes. And that's what they did. They made these things very personal. They brought them down to a very personal level. Um, so these huge events were happening and we got snippets of them through force vision, um, force audio, I should say, um, that, you know, uh, Darth Maul and Ahsoka uh, experienced right. at the moment that, you know, Anakin really, you know, really turns to the dark side. So we got we got those huge things. We got Star Destroyers, you know, falling through clouds. We got clones, mm-hmm. you know, turning on Jedi. We mm-hmm. had these huge things, but we everything felt very grounded and felt very personal because we were with Rex and Ahsoka and we saw what this really meant on a human level, you know. So I, I thought it was I thought it was excellent. Um overall I just I'm knocked out by it. I think that I stand by my, you know, hope that this thing gets, you know, turned into a movie that we maybe even get a few extra minutes minutes of footage and they'll put it in a theater for a limited run before it hits Disney Plus. I don't know. That's just yeah. my that's just my personal um wish that that happens. So before we okay, so this is how we're going to get into this you guys. We we decided that you know, everybody is doing reviews on um, this entire season and this final arc, which is great. Uh, I've listened to a lot of them. I'm sure Arthur's listened to them, but mm-hmm. we wanted to do something different. So we decided to just break this um, this uh, this final arc down, these last four episodes down uh, again through the lens of these characters. And we came up with chapters that we want to look at them through um, and chapters that sound a little bit Star Warsy. So. Uh, first chapter we're going to uh, take a look at is the future past of Ben Kenobi. Then chapter two, uh, we're going to get into the tragedy of Darth Maul. Chapter three, the second fate of Anakin Skywalker. Chapter four, the phantom hope of Ahsoka Tano. And chapter five, the fallen brothers of Clone Trooper Rex. So with that in mind, um, Arturius Maximus, Let's start with chapter one, the future past of Ben Kenobi. Why? First of all, Ben Kenobi. Yeah, this is, you know, future past his future. This is this is the point. You know, this is the point where Obi-Wan Kenobi goes in hiding and Ben Kenobi is born. Right. So this is a pivotal moment for him. He didn't get a lot of screen time in these four episodes. You know, in, in fact, I think. The last two times we see see him is through hologram, um, mm-hmm. but when we first see him, it's on that it's it's a very it's a really cool moment hero shot. He appears on that bridge. I forgot what planet they're on. Um, the you know and, and oh, oh backing up, old friends not forgotten. The first episode in this art begins with the classic you know narration, um, you know the the nineteen forties new style narration. Yeah. Setting yeah, they up. gave it the Lucasfilm old right. school treatment. We got the Lucasfilm old school treatment, which uh, you know, the, which threw us off all of, all of us off for a second. We we're like, what the hell? I thought completely set the tone too, right? But I thought I was on the wrong. I thought I hit the wrong thing on my because <laughs> I'm like, what, 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 where am I at? Like, I clicked something uh-huh. wrong. Or what, what is this? I thought it was some documentary or something. But then it comes in with the traditional, you know, um, Tom Kane, you know, introduction of the. Uh, what's going the action and where we're at, blah, blah, blah. That's yeah. the last time we see that, you know, for the next three episodes, we don't get that. We get the Lucasfilm thing. We get the name of the episode. There's right. no introduction. There's no moral. There's none of that stuff. It's just 
instance. So again, that, that was one of the things that let us know this is a movie. You know, this is these four episodes are definitely going to set up a movie. But anyway, this episode, when that episode begins, um, Old Friends Not Forgotten, we're on the planet Yorbana. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm looking at it right now. And we get this hero shot. You know, Obi-Wan shows up and saves Cody's life. You know, and there's this huge, you know, the camera pans over. We get this great hero shot of Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan. What I found ironic, though, is remember in Sith, you know, it's not too much longer after that. Because right there, Obi-Wan has saved Cody from getting hit by a cannon. And then what? A few days later, uh, Cody orders a cannon aimed at Obi-Wan and tries to take his ass out. You remember that? So there's a couple of different moments in these four episodes that were kind of like, like, mm, like that's messed, you know, kind of like a little irony and a little uh, tragedy, you know, mixed in. So tragic irony. Um, but I wanted to ask you. So we in this beginning thing with Obi-Wan, we see him. We see Anakin show up. We see, you know, Anakin take over the action being, you know, at the showing he's really kind of at the peak of his powers. And there's a relationship between Obi-Wan and, 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 and Anakin right here. And mm-hmm. it seems like this was purposely set up to show us just how in sync they are at this point. Um, but how did you feel seeing, you know, the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin at that point and how good it was knowing that within a few days they're going to be on Mustafar, you know, going at it? You know, I and I've said this before in a previous show, uh, so I'm going to be careful not to not to just, re- you know, just repeat wholesale what I said. But um, it's, it's 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 uneven for me mm-hmm. and. What I really do appreciate about about the season of Clone Wars, and particularly this last four episodes, um, is that the the animators uh, and writers did not feel so beholden to the films to be able to make it all fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is, we know that in the films, particularly Revenge of the Sith. Um, but you saw it also in Attack of the Clones, where there's 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 a frayed relationship that begins between Anakin and Obi Wan, Padawan and Master, mm-hmm. where Anakin feels that Obi Wan is holding him back, doesn't believe in him, uh, isn't telling him everything. Um, you know what I'm saying? And it draws him closer to Palpatine in the film. Mm-hmm. In the animated series, you never really get that, and I. I I thought that this could have been a good time to do some character development, not a lot, but some character development to begin to show further cracks in this relationship mm-hmm. on the animation side, because Ahsoka is a huge fulcrum for Anakin's emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw flashpoints of conflict between Anakin and Obi-Wan over Ahsoka having to do with um, what ends up being a brokerage that Anakin performs to let Ahsoka go with troops to um, um, find Maul on mm-hmm. Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then they can go, he and Obi-Wan can go to Coruscant you know, mm-hmm. to fulfill that duty. Because remember, Obi-Wan was like on board. Like, okay, well, let's go ahead. Let's go to, you know, let's go to Mandalore. It took some convincing. Right. Um, he, right? he went and talked to the council. He went and talked to the Jedi council. Y- yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think, though, there, you know, there, the conflict between Anakin and Obi-Wan, 
again, on the bridge, there seems to be, you know, very relaxed brotherhood between the two of them. And they were, you know, they were brothers and you know that. Yeah. But yeah. there, there, there is that moment, though, when after Ahsoka comes back and you see how Anakin is very assertive about the fact that, oh, everything that happened, her leaving the order, all of that happened. It was all for this. There was a reason mm-hmm. for it. And mm-hmm. it was a good reason because mm-hmm. that brought her, you know, sent her out into the to the galaxy. And now she's coming back to us to help us go save the Mandalorians, blah, blah, blah. And it's all for a reason. And, you mm-hmm. know. Obi-Wan being Obi-Wan is kind of skeptical of that. He's like, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe we'll see. And right. Anakin is like, no, that's, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what it is. And that's where I see what you're saying. You know, there is that conflict, that butting of heads. And I think it's more so just about philosophy. You know, I think mm-hmm. that in Attack of the Clones, Anakin may have felt it was more personal. Like he doesn't believe in me, blah, blah, blah. But I think right. by the time we get to this point, in the Clone Wars and then the the first half of Revenge of the Sith, the film, mm-hmm. you see that I think Anakin understands it's not a personal diss or it's not a personal, you know, it's, it's kind of like just a disagreement in philosophy, a disagreement on how we see the force, you know. Right. And then, of course, you know, when Anakin gets corrupted, he com- goes off the reservation, you know, he completely loses focus of that. And he, you know, he makes it personal, you know, just by nature of the dark side. Um, but I see what you're saying, but I think that, yeah, at the beginning of this on that bridge, especially there is a very almost, you know, visible, um, you know, brotherhood between these two, two characters, which makes, you know, what happens in Revenge of the Sith makes it all the more tragic. True. And, but, um, but you don't really see that in the, in the animated series. So in the films, particularly Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. You know, Lucas was very careful to try to create an environment and scenarios that justify, for lack of a better term, justified Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like what would turn this kid into, Mm -hmm. you know, the most dangerous mass murderer of the galaxy right right it's like how did you get to that point mm-hmm. oh well you got it through loss mm-hmm. loss was the core of the film of the live action film anakin mm-hmm. because loss, the loss of loss his and... mother the loss the fear loss and fear right mm-hmm. the loss of his mother the the um the the guilt that he felt when he couldn't save her mm-hmm. which drove his anger and hatred so all these qualities that a Sith has, you saw in the film versions how that got fueled mm-hmm. over the three story arc. In the animated series, you don't like I still don't see I'm telling you, I watched all seven episodes. I don't see how this guy became Darth Vader just mm-hmm. by watching the animated series. You you would have to know right. backstory of the films to, as reference. Right. I think though there going on that idea of loss, there is that his his inability to let go. And they did in the Clone Wars animated series. There were episodes that it, that explored that. Um, mm-hmm. The one that I, the one that jumps to mind immediately, of course, is where he almost lost Ahsoka um, when she, you know, when she was buried alive, and her and the other Padawan uh, were buried alive. And um, I think it's, is it Sakura's Padawan? I think a Padawan. I think is the one that's buried, you know, with Ahsoka. And she tells, mm-hmm. I think it's Sakura who tells Anakin, "You have to learn how to let go. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're gone." You know, you have mm-hmm. to learn how to let go. That's this is not the Jedi way, blah, blah, blah. And Anakin is just straight up like 
no like yeah. I'm, I don't I don't he basically is I don't care what the and I feel yeah. like that that sense of loss like you're saying and that inability to accept loss or inability mm-hmm. to even imagine it is at the core of his um what what brings him to the dark side but and that also happened again not in um not in the overlords episode but the one after that where um where the brother has uh effectively like possessed ahsoka mm-hmm. the mortis and brother. the mortis right mm-hmm. right yeah when they're on mortis and ahsoka effectively dies mm-hmm. you know and the father is telling anakin you know she's gone and he, anakin's not having that either you know so it's like i'm agreeing with you that you had you 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 know you had those those explorations of loss mm-hmm. that were consistent with the film but it doesn't it's like by the time you get to these last four episodes mm-hmm. and even 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 the last episode of 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 season 6 anakin is it's he's he's letting ahsoka go mm-hmm. right it's hard but he's letting her go um yeah cuz he did censor he did censor early in the season when she was with trace and, and uh the, bingo. She was with the martez sisters he did censor right. And he chose not to pursue that. So yeah, he right. is learning, but he's still his assertion to uh, to Obi Wan and old friends not forgotten that no, this is the reason why this happened. It still shows you that listen, this this cat is never going to be Obi. He's never going to see things the way Obi Wan can see them. And, and right. to that to that point, we see, and this brings us to the next point. We see him. We see Obi Wan very mm-hmm. early on um, in that episode when. Bo-Katan and Ahsoka are presenting him with this situation with the Mandalorian or Mandalore with Maul. Right. And we see what happens when Bo-Katan brings up Satine, brings up Satine, calls him out and says, I thought she meant more to you. You're not going to, you know, this is what she, this is not what she would have wanted. And I thought she meant more to you, blah, blah, blah. And we see Obi-Wan still, even in that instance, you know, Mm -hmm. make the Jedi decision Mm -hmm. and say, well, I can't let my personal feelings and at that moment of reveal, when it's revealed that Obi-Wan, he says, you know, yeah, I care for her. I still do. Anakin gives him the, the most bizarre look. I paused it a couple of times because he just looks at him like it's almost mm-hmm. like a Scooby-Doo, huh? Like a huh? You know, like, wait uh-huh. a minute. Record scratch. Like you is it, it's that reveal. Like he, you know, Obi-Wan is human. Obi-Wan fell in love with a woman just like I yeah. did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was shock enough. And that was crazy right there. But then again, what brought it to another level of shock is the fact that Obi-Wan is choosing not to go, you know, help the this woman's people or not to fight for what she believed in. He's going to go talk to Yoda and Mace and get their mm-hmm. input on it mm-hmm. completely out of, you know, this is completely not what Anakin would do. Mm, um, right. So right. that I think that how, how did that how did that moment, you know, when they're standing around there and Anakin gives them that look, did you have the same reaction I did or how did you feel about it? Um, I felt. I understood more why Kenobi is your MVP of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I, he, he's my he's my MVP in terms of his skill set. You know, I think he's the most. I think he's one of the most underrated Jedi. In fact, like he's he's undefeated yeah. basically. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but yeah, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm interrupt. But yeah, well, no, it, yeah. That. But I mean, but to see, he loves Satine, but I think he loves Qui Gon more. Mm. Right. And it's 
you know, he made Qui-Gon a promise to train the boy, to train Anakin. Mm-hmm. You know, you even saw that reiterated uh, um, on Mortis in the Overlords episode that I was just referenced when, when Qui-Gon came, came to him in a vision. Mm-hmm. And you know, and asked him, "Did you did you train the boy?" You know, I think I think Obi Wan, being as seasoned as he is, the more disciplined he he the more disciplined he practices, mm-hmm. the more seasoned and elder he becomes, and the more he understands the ways of the Force and what the Jedi Order stand for. So you could argue that he does this to a fault mm-hmm. but if he is to train Anakin and fulfill his promise to his fallen master he is not going to go after Maul for revenge in fact that would be a deterrent if Obi-Wan assesses that he still has feelings of revenge toward Maul mm-hmm. because that's against the Jedi way you know and yeah. I think that also he's well aware of Anakin's relationship with Padme, maybe not the depth, maybe not to understand that they were married, because I don't think he even, he knows that, right? But he understands enough about their relationship because of his, Obi-Wan's own relationship with Satine to continue to be the example for Anakin because he he, he has bought into Qui-Gon's um, belief of Anakin's potential. Right. And, and and straight up, Obi-Wan might be the only one that really believes that in the entire Jedi Council, because he's argued that point to both Yoda and, and Windu on several occasions, right. both he animation is, and film. He is the chosen one. Right. And I, I think that Obi, Obi-Wan, his, you know, his dabbling in normal human emotions, I should I'll put it that way as far as his, you know, allowing himself to um, to love Satine. Yeah. Um, that did help, you know, because you might remember in Revenge of the Sith, he when he goes to Padme, he mm-hmm. says, you know, Anakin's the father, isn't he? Um, and then yeah. and then now, of course, we know that he was aware of their relationship. Um, yeah, because in this 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 season of the Clone Wars, you know, he reveals the fact that he knows, you know, right. Padme and Anakin are together. So, and he didn't expose him. He didn't run to the council. And he didn't like, expose yeah. him and run and exp- right, right, so, right, right, because he still has some training to do. And and well, I think and, it's uh, not just because he has some training to do. I think that there is some he, there is some something in Obi Wan where he understands, even though he's so strict about the Jedi code or what a Jedi should do, that relationship he had with Satine humanized him to some degree you know it took him out of the order it made him understand human emotions in a different way and i think that comes into effect even now but it did strike me man when he was so he was so it was so easy for him to say no i'm going to go talk to or i should say it appeared to be so easy we don't know how inner you know the inner conflict we don't know right but it appeared to be so easy for him to say we need to go talk to the council and let them decide we're Mm -hmm. already in one war we don't want to be drawn into another um, and then I loved I loved when Bo-Katan looked at him and said, you know, well, what's one more war? You know, I thought that was mm-hmm. a beautiful. I just I love that because it was like from a Mandalorian standpoint, like that's how mm-hmm. they think. Like, they're like you mm-hmm. know, fuck you in this war. You might as well help us with this one. And, you know, if we start another one, that's cool. But uh-huh. I also liked it how it was in direct contrast. And it revealed also that the Jedi, they're peacekeepers. You know, they have no business doing any of this, you know, and you yeah. just really at this point, it's, it's, it's glaringly obvious that they are, they are way out of their depth and mm-hmm. they should not be in the, in, you know, uh, leading this war. So, and, and I think that later on, um, another, I want to ask you about this. 
as far as Obi-Wan's place in all of this in these uh, these four episodes later on he comes back you know he's the hologram he's already left um, uh, Mandalore and or he's already, already left back towards the um, back to Coruscant and he's he shows up as a hologram he's talking to uh, Bo-Katan Rex and Ahsoka, Ahsoka and le- he's really letting them know everything he knows about Darth Sidious which was interesting mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then, at, then he asks just to speak to Ahsoka, and he asks her. You know, he tells her, "Yeah, Do- uh, Anakin killed Dooku," and you can see that uh, Obi Wan is a little bit regretful about that. You know, mm-hmm. he says he killed him, and he, he explains. You know, now we've lost our. The only way we could find out more about Darcidius was through Dooku, but now we don't have that anymore, Um, Mm -hmm. which now, incidentally, and we'll talk about this later, makes Maul more important because Maul is the only one who seems to know anything about Sidious. Um, So now we need to really get this information from him, which I thought was a cool storytelling technique. But back to Obi-Wan. He's, he feels like it almost seems like for a moment he's regretful that Anakin Mm. killed Dooku. And which made me think he understands, he sees Anakin, maybe he doesn't see it completely. You know, he doesn't see him like, oh, he's about to go join the dark side, but he sees Anakin sliding, you know, and that that's mm-hmm. hurtful to, to, to Obi-Wan. It was really, really interesting to me. And I want to say how you felt about this, that he, Obi-Wan, even though him and Ahsoka had their, you know, uh, uh, little byplay or not even byplay, they kind of went at it earlier yeah. when Ahsoka called him out. Um, on trying to be there for Palpatine, but he's not going to be there for the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Obi-Wan was like, we know that's not fair, blah, blah, blah. And Ahsoka wasn't having it. We'll talk about that later, too. But he goes to Ahsoka for help. I thought that was very interesting. He comes to her and says, you need to talk to Anakin. Will you talk to him? Because I think that would make a difference. That was very, um, that was interesting to me. I, and I, like I said, I want to see how you felt about it, but I thought that was interesting. Um, I think that Obi Wan, knowing his own relationship between, ma- uh, um, um, his own relationship between Qui Gon, his master, that Ahsoka has, you know, an inroad to to knowing Anakin better than anyone, even even Obi Wan himself. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, and he's watched. Yeah, he's watched their relationship over these last few years. He's watched it become what it is. Um, and see, like, yeah, he knows Anakin better than anybody else, so he can see the effect that Ahsoka has on him. Um, yeah, that's very, that's very visible. Uh, and it was, it was humbling, you know, for him to go to her. Um, and I thought that that was, it was, it was a, again, I, I hate to keep using this word because I don't want to describe the Jedi as non-human, but it very was, it was a very human, um, you know, moment for, for uh, Obi-Wan to kind of come down off of that pedestal or that perch that that Jedi sometimes sit on and say, listen, you know, what we're doing is not working. And Anakin seems to be in a weird place right now. And I think you need to talk to him. Um, And it wasn't a very, it wasn't a command. It was just very, it was very humbling. So it it brought, it brought a lot of things about Obi-Wan full circle, which made me want to ask you after the events of these four episodes. And we of course know what happens in revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah. And, you know, side note, I don't know about you, but every time Obi-Wan would appear on screen, I just kept hearing him in my mind screaming, you know, you were the chosen one. You're my, my brother. Brothers, I, you know, I loved I, you. I loved you. Yeah. And that's like one of the most heart wrenching moments in all of Star Wars to me. Yeah, um, it's hard for me to watch these episodes and not try to juxtapose it to the live action films, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, because in the live action films there is no Ahsoka, right? But in but but the animations um, get to me are much are, are are way more rich, and and I do believe it's because they've had multiple seasons and multiple episodes within a season. They've had more time, you know to develop this story and, you know, and develop these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they've done it in a, in a really good way without having the film, the live action versions being the burden mm-hmm. that they have to bear, you know? Right. Um, I often wonder though, um, related, but a slight tangent, you know, I often wonder if, if Obi-Wan is, is, I mean, I know we've heard, in other words, on face value, did Obi-Wan really believe that Ahsoka betrayed the Jedi? Or was he just rolling with the party line? Yeah, I think, yeah, we, you know, we may probably, we probably need to do an episode breaking down, because basically, in case any of you guys don't know, which I'm sure you do know at this point, but we are talking about the last few episodes of season five, um, when Ahsoka was on trial, basically for, you know, accused of... Sorry, um, I keep saying season six. <laughs> yeah, 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 season six. Yeah, season five is the end of season five where she's accused of, uh, was it murder she's accused of? Yeah, murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, in my in my opinion, to answer your question, I think, I think that Obi-Wan, again, was so, he's so willing to adhere to the Jedi code that even if personally he didn't feel Ahsoka was capable of it, he was perfectly willing to put her on trial, go through all those steps um and then to at see the how end, it played out right to see how it played out and then at the mm-hmm. end he was standing there with them you know oh, okay we we have to up you know come on back you can come back to the order now mm-hmm. um so yeah i think i think and that's I, I guess and that leads me into my final question about him now that we've seen all of that now that we've seen his role in this final arc what do you think is how do you think this is going to affect him in the near in the near future because he's about to you know he's going to drop luke uh luke off at the tatooine and then He's going about as merry way as Ben Kenobi. Um, do you think that this arc, these four episodes, have set up what we're going to see in his Disney Plus series? I don't know if they're going to set it up so much as they're going to inform the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because we know some things that happen in we know what happens in Star Wars Rebels uh, between him and Darth Maul, but you figure when Obi Wan goes to Tatooine, you know he got three things on his mind trying to keep tabs on Anakin and Vader, you know, keep tabs on Luke. And he knows that Darth Maul is still out there. Mm-hmm. If he knows, and that's the, and you know, that's, that's going to be and this is something again, we talk about another time, but that's going to be a very interesting part of his series is to see at what point does he find out that Vader is, 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 uh, is Anakin. Cause when he last time he saw Anakin, he was cut in half. He was dead. He was basically dead. He was game being engulfed by fire, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yeah. So, at what point does he find out? You know that oh, these two are the same. Um, so that'll be interesting. But I, you know, I think, I think this this arc did a good job of setting up some stakes for Obi Wan in terms of his his guilt, especially because mm-hmm. you can start you can start to see it, um, especially in that in the end of Revenge of the Sith, but even in a couple, I guess, side glances or just moments within these four episodes. I kind of got to see Obi-Wan starting to doubt things, you know, because, um, you know, he has a, he has a conversation with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith um, mm-hmm. expressing his, you know, how he feels about Anakin and just how he feels about things in general. And you can start to see some cracks in that whole, you know, stern belief in the Jedi Order and this is what we should do and blah, blah, blah. 
And I really feel like that's going to be a very interesting thing for them to dive into in his Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, especially because it's going to be, you know, led, directed by, I don't know who's doing all the writing, but it's going to be directed by uh, uh, Deborah Chow, who did mm-hmm. an uh, excellent job on The Mandalorian. So, all right. We let's, have to figure, I'll be real quick ahead. about this. I mean, you have to figure that in for the live act, for the, for the Obi-Wan series, mm-hmm. he's got to find out about Anakin. Like somebody's got to yeah, absolutely. Find I, out I think somewhere. that may be that may be the first season. You know, that may be the whole you know crux of the first season was him finding yeah. it out. I don't know, um, but it, that's that's going to be interesting. And you have to figure that he never sees Ahsoka. That I don't know, and that's well. And, here's the thing, though, because say, when you get to Rebels, Rebels, no, but when you get to Rebels, Ahsoka finds out that she's fighting Anakin. No, oh, okay. I, I, th- I thought I thought you were talking about Obi Wan. I'm 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 thinking in the Obi Wan series. We may get some Ahsoka. Obi Wan and Obi Wan may be aware that Ahsoka is alive because in that's Rebels, fair. That's fair. Yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to hold I'm going to hold to whatever interaction that Obi Wan has with Ahsoka. It's prior to him Obi Wan learning that Anakin, that Anakin is, Vader. Yeah. is Vader. I think yeah. he's going. In other words, I think he's going to hear about Vader. Maybe mm-hmm. everybody hears about Vader like right out the gate, mm-hmm. you know. And then after that, he comes to learn. Mm-hmm. But right. he has to learn that independent of Ahsoka because we know that in Rebels, Ahsoka discovers on her own. Yeah, she has suspicions, but then it becomes very, you know, yeah. yeah. All right, let's let's move on. Um, this next one, this next chapter is man. This could this could be an entire episode. This could be an entire season, bro. Of, of Madam, Wu. this is my. <laughs> this is one of the best stories. If listen, you know I love Clone Wars, and I love Clone right. Wars because of the clones. Those are my number one uh, in the series. But then this mm-hmm. this cat right here, his story, I think is really just one of the triumphs of the Clone Wars animated series. And later on of, of Rebels as well. So that is chapter two, the tragedy of Darth Maul. Um, so first off, let me ask you, how did you feel about Maul being portrayed as almost the bellwether of the fall? Like and when we first when he when he shows up um, completely in uh, the second episode um, of this arc, which was uh, the Phantom Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, great name, by the way. What do you, how did you feel about him being the one that was like, no, 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 y'all don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Everything is about to change. It, the, mm-hmm. the moment, he says, the moment is upon us. And, you know, Ahsoka's looking at him like, this, this motherfucker's crazy. He's always, you know, ran about something. Um, of course, the clones don't know what he's talking about. Jesse, when he takes Jesse, Jesse doesn't know what the hell this dude, this dude is on. So, mm-hmm. how did you feel about Maul being the one in all of of all these people, of all the characters that they could have put this knowledge with? He's the one that's like, nah, no one else understands. I know everything is about to change. I thought it was a great use of a discarded character. Um, I think that people, you know. Darth Maul is the one that got stood up at the altar mm-hmm. and he knows that the Skywalker, you know, took his spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he know he knows that Dooku took his spot first. Wasn't it? Cause yeah. Cause when he died, when Maul quote unquote died in phantom, uh, menace, uh, Sidious True. Then took, took Dooku, uh, what's his name? Tyrannus, Darth Tyrannus. Um, so yeah, your point, I get your point though. He's always, he's always been cast aside. And, um, I think that, uh, using, I mean, using Maul in this way 
where he's the one that's basically trying to almost warn everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought was really effective in that they did it in such a way where Maul himself doesn't fully understand the process of what's going on. Mm -hmm. He just, you know, it's like he's recalling what Sidious had told him or what he learned from Sidious as his Padawan. And he's he's been haunted by it because remember Almec, the cat, uh, the Mandalorian puppet um, leader, tells mm-hmm. Osoga, well, yeah, he's been Maul has been the last few months. Like Maul has been just in a bad mood. Basically, he's been having dreams, visions. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, it's just not been himself recently. And so yeah, he's getting Maul is getting kind of almost like in back in the day when you used to have a, tra- a transistor radio and you get only a little bit of the signal and you get bits and pieces of um, the song or the news the news broadcast. He's getting that. He's he's not getting a clear transmission, and that's that's kind of throwing him off. And so that's why yeah, he shows up and he's when everybody shows up, he's like, you know, something is you know something big is happening. This is it. This is the moment. Yeah, um, and he already knows that Skywalker is the key to it. Well, he yeah, he he hears that he hears that name in a vision. Um, he knows that, you know, because essentially his vision has told him that Skywalker is the Phantom Apprentice. You know, he's mm. he's the one that um, Palpatine has been grooming um, to be to become his his new uh, his new apprentice. And so when Ahsoka Tano shows up, I thought it was funny how Maul was like, why are you here? You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. who, who, first of who all, are you? who are you? <laughs> Ain't you? I, I seen you before from a distance. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You were the little one next to that, that other guy, um, uh-huh. who, you know, uh, who's, you know, allegiance is to my, to my main enemy, uh, Ben or Obi-Wan Kenobi, but who are you and why are you here? You know, I was expecting to see Kenobi or Skywalker, you know, or both. Why are you here? Um, and at that point it becomes revealed that, you know, his plan was to bring, uh, Kenobi and Skywalker there and at first I'm thinking okay I know why he's trying to bring Scott Kenobi there because he's obsessed with Kenobi yeah. um, but to your point he's bringing Skywalker there because he's had that vision and so he wants he wants you know he's still got this ongoing beef with you know Palpatine with the Darth right. Sidious so right. he wants to rob him of his you know his, his next prize people um, what do you think what do you think Maul wants ultimately I think that's I, that's I think first of all I think that's a, a, a excellent question and it's something that every time I see him in Clone Wars it comes to mind and in my opinion first of all I don't think Maul knows what he wants you know mm-hmm. and I think what happened was when 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 Obi Wan cut him in half in Phantom Apprentice mm-hmm. it threw Maul completely off his life trajectory because look at mm-hmm. what happened to him he was a, he's a Dathomirian or something like that he's from Dathomir and his mother um, wanted, she's a night sister and she wanted to align herself with Sidious. Then Sidious kidnapped Maul and made him, made Maul his apprentice, raised Maul in the for, the dark side of the force, mm-hmm, made him mm-hmm. his assassin, blah, blah, blah. And then, so all this time, Maul has been raised in this kind of like violent, crazy world. And he thinks his purpose is to Sidious and they're going to, you know, bring back the Sith. They're going to take over the galaxy together. Right. Excuse me. So then you see he gets cut in half by Obi-Wan. Kenobi. Yeah. Plans over. Dude spends the next 10 years, you know, in some cave, um, put himself back together, has some crazy let, you know, uh, uh, droid legs or whatever. 
and he's lost his mind. Then his brother finds him. The night sisters help bring his mind back. Mm-hmm. What's his purpose? What is he? Mm-hmm. What is he here for? I think at that point is when he's like he fixates on Obi Wan Kenobi because that's the point. Obi Wan is the point when my whole life went off his went off the went off the rails. Yeah. So I've got to kill that dude, and it's almost a Joker Batman type thing. What I'm not even sure he wants to kill Obi Wan. I think he just wants to pursue Obi. He just wants to obsess over Obi Wan mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and this thing with Maul, it goes on and on and on to the point where in Rebels, we hear him scream, you know, I'm going to take vengeance on all of my enemies. You know, mm-hmm. not, he's like, he's, Maul is at war with the entire galaxy. It's like yeah, everybody, yeah. light side, dark side, dude at the, you know, on, on the corner, you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody mm-hmm. Maul is at war with. And I think that's because he has nothing. Maul has nothing. And he's just he's used his obsession with Obi-Wan as a path, a a way to give himself something. He tries to build up the shadow collective, those, you know, uh, gangsters that he aligns himself with and takes over as a way to build something for himself. But I don't think Maul really is looking for power or he wants to rule the galaxy. I think Maul just wants to have a path and he wants to be he wants respect more than he wants Mm -hmm. power. Um, mm-hmm. Usually those two things, you know, they can come, they can come, uh, I shouldn't say usually, but they can come together. But I don't think Maul so much is after power. I think he's after respect. He wants to not be cast aside. He wants to not be used. He wants to um, be treasured and be cared for by somebody. Uh, he's a tragic, tragic figure, man. Tragic. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense, too, because he's also looking for he's looking for an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Which he, he does, to, yeah, yeah. Which he did. He reaches. He re, he outreaches his hand towards Ahsoka when they when they mm-hmm. battle in uh in uh in Shattered, and he or the was it the Phantom Apprentice? Is he the Phantom Apprentice or Shattered when they battle? Great lightsaber duel, by the way. Mocap motions motion captured. Um, Ray Park and I forgot the name Lauren. I forgot her name. She is the. She did the motion capture for Ahsoka, um, and both of them were brilliant. I saw a behind-the-scenes video of it, um, mm-hmm. and you really see it when they fight. You can really see that these are two actual people, you know, fighting um, and the moves they make. Um, but yeah, he Maul offers Ahsoka and says, "Listen, you know, we can we can stop this from happening. You know, I've seen yeah. what's going to happen. You and I together can stop this from what's happening." Now Maul really doesn't give a damn about saving the galaxy. He just wants to fuck mm-hmm. up Sidious's plans. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's looking for an apprentice. And then he does it again in, in, in uh, Rebels and with Ezra. So my question to you, though, is he looking for, or I should ask you, why is Maul always looking for someone to join him? In your opinion. I think because, yeah, I, I, I think because he, he wants to supplant Palpatine, ultimately. That may not be his plan or but that's certainly his trajectory mm-hmm. and if he has an apprentice then he can be by definition you know he can he can uh be a sith mm. and 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 be a rival to sidious mm. you know what i'm saying like like almost um you know like uh you know if if you don't have certain credentials we're not going to regard you as you know a member of this club mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so Darth Maul is like, well, you know, Maul's like, well, okay, fine, let me go get an apprentice. <laughs> <Can> <laughs> you my, know what I'm saying? Get my credentials straight. <laughs> um, 
And I think he I think I think he wants to for once in his life have someone do his bidding. Mm. Because he constantly is doing someone else's bidding, which incidentally is the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker ultimately. Mm. I mean, the guy can never get out of middle management. Mm. He's always answering to somebody. Um and I think I think Maul now now that he he doesn't have a master, you know, he 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 gotten himself out of free fall, you know, he needs to credential up. Mm-hmm. And take some mantle. Right. You could argue that the Phantom Apprentice in this context could be, I think it's a direct reference to Anakin, but it could also be a reference to Tamal as well. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the unseen apprentice, as far as the one that got skipped over, you know, um, and he's never gotten over that. I think, though, my, I agree with what you said, but I also think that Maul's need for someone to be with him, I think he sees he has some sort of kinship with anybody that he perceives as, as have being used. And he says mm-hmm. to, he says to uh, Ahsoka at some point, um, we were both tools for greater powers. Yeah. Emphasis on the word tools. And yeah. I think that he, he says that to her as he's trying to recruit her um, in the Phantom Apprentice. And I see that he, he feels that sort of kinship to anyone he sees, you know, he perceives mm-hmm. of having going through something, something similar as to what he went through. Yeah. And then it becomes a, not that he, he, not that he so much pities them as he empathizes with them. And he wants to, you know, in this sense, uh, literally he wants to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. part of that forms his tragedy. And to be honest with you, man, part of that, makes me pity him you know that's part of the reason that makes me pity him he is a tragic figure i mean i'll be honest with you for for a short while i actually thought the fan ahsoka was the phantom apprentice because mm-hmm. at a certain point maul was starting to make sense <laughs> she does accept let's yeah. not let's not skip over that fact she yeah. does accept his offer you know hey we can take down Sidious together mm-hmm. and she accepts until he starts talking you know big shit about Anakin as far as you know yeah Anakin's by the way Anakin's the you know the Phantom Apprentice and he's gonna go to the dark side blah 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 mm-hmm. and then she's like no you don't know Anakin and that's it's almost like that's her trigger that's her trigger that's her soft spot you know mm-hmm. you don't know Anakin and then she's you know she ignites her lightsabers and fights him but to your point yeah he does make sense enough that she accepts and you know I'm, I'm glad you said that because part of I wrote down this quote that that Maul says Part of this is part of his argument to Ahsoka um, and making her understand that what is happening in the galaxy right now is going to change everything. And Ahsoka is constantly asserting, well, no, the Jedi would never let that happen. And I'm after justice and blah, blah, blah. And Maul starts talking to her about the realities, basically, of power, you know, and Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, yeah, you think the Jedi are so righteous and this and that and the third. But he in so many words he basically says they're no different than any other group that's in power and he says um quote justice is merely the construct of the current power base and right right man bro that could be in a, a revolutionary handbook you know what i'm saying it's like that yeah that is <laughs> a, a that is a very um realist and in my in my point of view an accurate thing to say yeah and you would have to experience all of those things to be able to have that kind of perspective, which Maul has actually done. He sees clearly. He sees he's he's not he's under no illusion that, you know, the people in power um, give a damn about the people in 1313. 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He's he's very and and that made me kind of think about in the real world sense, people that I know, I'm sure people that you know as well, who are raised um amidst violence, who are made mm-hmm. who are raised in poverty or, you know, both or who were raised in a sense that their point of the point of view of the world is different than someone like Ahsoka, you know, mm-hmm. who even though Ahsoka has gone through that experience with the Martez sister, she still has a much more loftier belief system than what, you know, the realities that, that Darth Maul can see. And yeah. it made it to me, it made Maul again, not, not, not just tragic. It made him one of the realest characters within Clone Wars, um, not to excuse any of the things he's done, but at the same time, you know, you understand his viewpoint. You know, he's he it's, it's kind of like what they did in Black Panther with um, Killmonger. You know, um, you, you don't excuse like the fact that he's a murderer and what he right. wants to do. But you understand you, you get where he's coming from. And Maul is like, I've been used my whole life. I've been used by this side. I've been used by that side. I've been cast aside. You think there's justice and that justice is only going to be defined by whoever's in power. But, you know, he does have he does have a layer of of delusion, delusion of grandeur on top of that, that you really see going if uh, you spend time watching the Star Wars Rebels uh, cartoon series. Um, It's it is. I think Joker is a great comparison because you're dealing with somebody who, you know, when he's like lucid, lucid, has a clear, crystal clear perspective of the world and the environment around him. Mm. Um, but at the flip of a switch, you know, he's ready to just watch it all burn mm. just for the sake of, because he feels that something is owed to him. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, mm. he feels that something is owed to him. Yeah. That's an important point. That's, that's an important point. Maul definitely, Maul as well, definitely feels like something is owed to him. And it leads to those, those, uh, that grandeur that, you know, that kind of, um, almost like he's 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 very clear-headed in some sense but then he's kind of delusional in others because let's be serious ain't no way that him and ahsoka are taking down sidious you know what i'm saying it's like right if you're going to align yourself with somebody and you go after sidious you you need to call yoda that's that's about your only call that's really it or mace and mace is because he had because he has savage right and and the two of them (laughs) that did not help so if I'm a call, if I'm trying to take down Sidious, there's only one phone call I'm making, and that's Toyota. Um, so that that I guess that disillusion or that kind of you know skewed viewpoint feeds into your point about you know his his illusions of uh, grandeur. Um, so before we move off of him, though, I wanted to ask you his you know what really brought him home to me as far as um, um, his tragedy is yeah. that he's fighting Ahsoka. And his goals are, okay, first I'm going to recruit her and go after Sidious. That didn't work out. So now I just need to get the hell off of Mandalore and regroup mm-hmm. with the Shadow Collective. Um, and, you know, he even tells, you know, Saxon calls him, the Mandalorian calls him, like, yo, we need help. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm out of here. And he says <laughs> to him, die well, Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classic Maul. <laughs> Classic Maul. Die well, Mandalorian. Oh, man, I love this dude. Um, but then he says, you know, so he's trying to get off of the planet. And of course, Ahsoka is like trying to capture him because Ahsoka has been tasked with capturing him at this point. We'll get into that in a second when we talk about her. But she's been tasked with capturing him because he's the only one now that can give the Jedi Council more information about Sidious. Right. Um, so he's trying to get off of this planet. And that's his motivation now. But then 
when he loses to Ahsoka, because she she defeats him um, mm-hmm. without a lightsaber, mm-hmm. let it be said, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying she defeats him, he falls apparently to his death, and she captures she catches him with the force. Maul screams, screams, "Let me die, mm-hmm. let me die!" And it was that moment, dude, that hit me in my chest. I'm like, this, 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 this is the the apex of who he is. You know, it's like. He's after all these things. He wants all this respect. He wants to, you know, be on the same level and, you know, make some make X, Y and Z pay for what they did to him. But then at the end, this is a guy who just wants to die. He's in Cause, pain because yeah, he, he can't get no matter what he does, no matter how hard he tries. He just he cannot get it. Man had the dark saber. He can't <laughs> <laughs> dark saber, whole Mandalorian army, you know, yeah. still yeah. can't get as soon as he it. got to a certain point, Sidious shows up, takes it all away. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a guy who, although he wants all these things, what he really wants, what Darth Maul really wants, or I shouldn't should say Darth Maul, what Maul really wants is to be released from his pain. And that's that's very, very sad. And that's why I said that's mm-hmm. what we call this chapter, the, the tragedy of Darth Maul, because um, as, as horrible of a villain as he is, he is a tragic figure. Um so yeah, I thought that was that was that was interesting. And then of course, you know, he ends, you know, he's he's screaming, you know, we're all going to burn, we're all going to die. You don't know what you're doing, um, and they literally almost put him in a straight straight jacket um, and take him away. And then the next time we see him, he's unleashing chaos, is, which right. is I think kind of what he he represents. So, and they took him away, Hannibal Lecter style. They had some yeah. serious yeah. Uh, containment on him. Yeah, I mean, he was he was he was a madman shouting um, realities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was, that was interesting to me. So, all right, let's, uh, move on to chapter three, um, of our breakdown. One tragedy to another. One tragedy to another. So we're calling this one, the second fate of Anakin Skywalker. Um, and so to jump off, to jump this one off, I want to ask you, um, how did you feel seeing Anakin and Ahsoka, what do you, Ahsoka reunited and what do you think? How do you think Anakin was, you know, feeling when he saw Ahsoka and then, you know, they finally got a moment to talk. He gives her the lightsabers. What do you think was his emotions or what was going through his mind? Well, I, I, I think he wanted to get the band back together. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka, who was, you know, playing him clearly at arm's length right out of the gate, um, you know, really forced a management of his own expectations. And I think that uh Anakin tried uh as hard as he could and he pulled out the stops too mm-hmm. to let Ahsoka know that she was still loved and that she still had a home um by upgrading her lightsabers by uh uh the um the squad that she was going to lead right. into uh, that part of uh, the 501st to painted their yeah. helmets yeah um I think that he pulled out all the stops. You know, in other words, he could do this openly toward, he could do the things openly toward Ahsoka that he couldn't do openly to Padme. Mm, you know, that's a good point. That's a good point. He could, he could show, he could express it. He yeah, could express with, with it Ahsoka, and still be, yeah. and be, and be safe and proper. Mm-hmm. And, and within the, within the context of his duties to, uh, uh, the, the order. Mm-hmm. To a to a point, because yeah, because he did get called out, like we mentioned earlier, for not mm-hmm. for being too attached to Ahsoka. Um, but to your point, yeah, that is 
that is a good point. He was able to yeah, express how he feels about her in a way he, he was never able to express how he felt about Padme in the open. That's a good, that's a great point. Um, what did you, so, you know, there's one point, okay. There's, there's one moment in this entire, um, arc where I feel like a mistake was made. And it's mm. the only, it's the only really bone I have to pick with this entire arc, these entire four episodes. And that is when we see, you know, or we hear Anakin make his transition to the dark side through oh, the yeah. Force Vision audio of, you know, both Maul and Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And it's not Matt Lanter's voice. It's not the, the voice of, of Clone Wars, the series, Anakin. It is um, uh, uh, Hayden Christensen. Yeah. It's the actual clip from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. How did you feel when you heard that? I, I I thought that was I thought that was unnecessary. It, it felt forced. It felt it felt a an obvious force uh, to relate the cartoon series to the live act to the live action film that I don't think was necessary mm-hmm. because we all know what happens and even it, you know even if we did it meaning even if you had never seen the films. Or just you hadn't seen Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Hayden Christensen's voice wouldn't inform you one way or the other. It doesn't sound I mean, like Matt Lanner. Yeah. It, yeah, you're not really gonna know what that is. <laughs> right. Who is you know who is this other so person? It really served to be no aid. Right. Yeah. I you know, it took me out of it. It took me out of it. And I thought that it was very it was unnecessary for all the reasons you just said, but then it was also unnecessary because they had already had T C Carson repeat one of um Samuel Jackson's lines. Remember when he says, "I sense a plot to def- destroy the Jedi" or whatever he says. Yeah. And I believe Samuel said that in um, Revenge of the Sith. I, be- I think I haven't seen Revenge of the Sith in a while, but I believe uh, he said that in Revenge of the Sith. And then we see T.C. Carson say it in, um, I believe it was in Shattered, or uh, uh, or maybe it was even, even in, no, it wasn't in Death of Victory. I think it was in Shattered. And so if you've already established that you're willing to have your Clone Wars animated series voices, you know, lead and, you know, repeat things that maybe have been said in Revenge of the Sith, I didn't understand why they felt the need to insert, you know, Hayden Christensen in here. And then also you do hear Samuel Jackson, you know, scream. You do hear um, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Ian McDermott, you know, as, as Palpatine, you know, unlimited power, unlimited power. Um, but I didn't have as many pro- as much problem with that because they were screaming and it really you know didn't sound too different than what we've heard from the the voice actors playing these characters in the animated series. But with Hayden Christensen, it absolutely when he's like you know you can't kill him, it's not the Jedi way. I need him. It definitely was not <laughs> Matt mm-hmm. Lanner, and I'm like, why not use the voice that we are accustomed to? It was just very strange, and it took me out of the the show for a second. I felt like I was you know, somebody had piped in Revenge of the Sith, you know, for half a second. And um, I'm almost wondering if it wasn't Dave Filoni and there's this, I wonder if it was Lucasfilm itself saying, no, we need to insert, you know, this clip from, you know, you need to actually use the audio. That's such a pivotal moment, you know, in Star Wars history is when when Darth Vader is really born. So you need to actually use the audio from the film. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. know. I just I think it would have been I think it would have been more interesting if there was just, you know, a powerful disturbance in the force and you saw Ahsoka's reaction to that and you you uh you cut to Maul's reaction to that. Mm-hmm. You know, that they later eventually came to discuss. 
you know, you, you know, you felt it too. You felt it too. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think is what Maul says to her. Right. The next time right. They see he does each other. say, yeah, yeah. He does say you felt it too. Um, I was, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think that a powerful disturbance, but that probably worked great. But if they were going to use the voices, I just feel like, hey, just have Matt Lanner do it. You know, I would have loved mm-hmm. to heard because Matt Lanner is my preferred voice anyway. If you have, if you can't tell right now already, but he's my preferred Anakin <laughs> yeah. anyway. When I think yeah. of Anakin, I think of Clone Wars series Anakin. Um, uh-huh. That's no disrespect to Hayden Christensen. It's just that I think that to your point that you made earlier, they had a lot more time to develop Anakin within the Clone Wars series, mm-hmm. and he just seems more of like the Anakin. 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 He's more rounded because he's much yeah. more rounded, well rounded. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was, but then, then I, I got to ask, you know, we're talking about the fall of Anakin as we perceived, or as we see it here in, in Shattered. Um, and we know that Ahsoka, you know, wanted to reach out to him. She wanted to get a hold of him and talk to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think had, had, had Ahsoka been able to talk to him before this jumps off, before he discovered, you know, that, that Palpatine was the, uh, Sith Lord and he goes and gets Mace and, you know, that whole confrontation takes place. Do you think that Ahsoka would have made a difference if she talked to Anakin? Do you think that her presence or her something about her may have jarred him a little bit to kind of throw him off this path? Or was it or I, was was he meant was he meant to become, you know, was he meant to do what he did? I think he was meant to do what he did. I don't think Ahsoka would have would have swayed or taken him off of that trajectory. Mm-hmm. And I think I think because and we have to conflate the animated series and the live action films. But I think because of what Ahsoka didn't know, she didn't know his relationship with, uh, with Padme, which uh, was the, 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 the emotional crux of, of um, his fear of loss mm-hmm. that led to his transformation. Um, I think that he would have had to tell Ahsoka he would have had to bring her up to speed and really had no time to do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. Cause I mean, listen, the reason we've called this chapter, the second fate second is a number two, the second fate of mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker. His first fate is the one that like you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, is what Obi-Wan is constantly making sure everybody is aware of. He's the chosen one. He is supposed yeah. to be balanced to the force. Yeah. That's his first fate later on as Maul reveals no he's the Phantom Apprentice he is he's been groomed for this to become mm-hmm. Sidious's so that's mm-hmm. that in effect becomes the second fate and it's like the question is did he have did he ever have a choice was he always going to choose the second fate you know and I think that you throw Ahsoka in that mix I don't know I don't know if he would have had to catch her up I think I, 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 maybe this is the optimist inside of me but, but the I, I feel that her presence may have jarred him you know, because um, like you said, he can never really be as open about his affection for, you know, Padme. Yeah. But Snips, as he called her, mm-hmm. um, everyone from the clones to, to uh, from the clone troopers to Obi-Wan, probably to the council itself. They knew, you know, how affectionate he was for for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And I just I wonder, had she been able to reach out to him at that very critical moment? You know, this is the most the rawest moment of his life. Um, cause he's teetering between dark and light. Um, as someone who had walked away from the Jedi order as someone who had, you know, had everyone except for him doubt her, everyone that she thought, you know, cared for her kind of just throw her out, you know, and put her out there by herself in that position. Cause she had been the, cause she had, could she have been the one 
who maybe could have pulled him off of the ledge, you know? See, I, I don't think so. I actually think she would have had a greater impact had she told Yoda what Maul told her. Yeah, we're going to get into that. That's that's the that's point we're going to jump into. But yeah, that's 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 a that's a good call out. Um, so actually, before we get there, let me ask you before we leave Anakin, what do you think? I mean, in the final scene, um, which, in my opinion, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about this is one of the greatest scenes in Star Wars history. Um, what do you think was going through Vader slash Anakin's mind when he finds Ahsoka's lightsaber, the one that he retooled for her, um, laying there, you know, on that, on that moon, um, apparently probably about a year, if not more after, um, you know, Ahsoka had left it there, her and Rex had, had departed. What do you think was going through his mind when he looks up at the sky, sees her spirit animal, um, her spirit bird? What do you think he's thinking about? Uh, regret. Mm. maybe regret that uh i don't know i don't know what specifically mm-hmm. but you know regret um because another thing too as he's walking toward that part you see that beautiful dedication he, he sees that he also well wait, wait we'll get to ahsoka so i'll talk about that then mm-hmm. but when he when he when he sees the lightsaber he picks it up he takes it with him does yeah he does he? he does yeah he doesn't drop it back down he takes it with him he ignites it but then he walks away with it and you also see close by, um, I think it was Jesse's helmet. Or no, 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 no. You see a clone trooper's helmet that was decorated with her color. Right. Yeah, that he, he had a hand in in right. ha- making that happen. So I do think that he was that he was that he was filled with uh, regret to the life that he has resigned himself to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was definitely symbol symbolism in the fact that. Um, you watch him, you know, walk away and, you know, you see the reflection of him in that helmet. And like you just said, not only is, you know, he, Anakin was closest, closer to the trunk, clone, ugh, excuse me, Anakin was closest to the um, clone troopers. He was closer mm-hmm. to them than any of the other, you know, mm-hmm. Jedi council mm-hmm. members, even Yoda, mm-hmm. even the, the first time we see Yoda um, in this series, the entire, you know, Clone Wars series, the first episode of the series, not chronologically, but the one that was actually, you know, released first, he, you know, Yoda is humanizing the clones and reminding them that you're not just clones, you know, your, your, your lives are important. You're a part of the force. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But even Yoda was not as close to the clones as Anakin was. So he's, you know, he's walking away. Vader is walking away. We see him in the reflection of this clone helmet. We see that helmet painted in uh, Ahsoka's, you know, face paint. So like you just said, Vader, uh, Vader slash Anakin had a part in that. Um, so, but he's walking away from it. You know, the clone wars are over this era of star Wars ending. The galactic empire is there. I thought it was very, it was very symbolic, but it was, you know, a lot of symbolism, symbolism can be kind of clumsy too on the nose too you know, uh, I thought there was a good balance. Yeah. This, this was not, this was none of those things. This was very subtly and beautifully done. You know, it could be that he regretted the fact that, you know, Anakin had a choice throughout this whole thing. You know, he 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 had a choice, but in event after event after event, um, he made a lot of he made a lot of bad decisions. But I think he only made two. I think he only made one choice, maybe two. Mm -hmm. The choice being that he wanted to be with Padme despite the way of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think that was the only real choice that he made. Everything else, he he just accepted this predetermined, you know, 
fate or uh you know direction you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying um uh i mean possibly the second choice that he made was to was to uh let ahsoka go mm-hmm. when she wanted to leave when she didn't want to come back to the order you know um, yeah he did he did consciously you know after some after some initial not letting go he did let go yeah. Um, but I, I think that's, you know, I, I really do. I know we say, oh, we should do a show on this, but I really do feel like we should do a show because I about Anakin's Vader, because I do feel that to your point that you made earlier about not really fully being able to accept that this guy that we see here becomes, you know, mm-hmm. the child killing, you know, monster mm-hmm. that is Darth Vader. Um, that that deserves a lot more anal- analyzation. So I, I but I, I feel you in the sense that in that last moment, he, I, I feel like there was some regret because we even get the visor. You know, he looks up and the sun hits his visor, and you get to see his eye. You know, you get yeah. to see his eye for a second, and it does look. You know, there is a moment there where you're like, yeah, he's he's in pain, he's regretting, and then it's also, does he know that is this? You know, is Ahsoka alive? Is this confirmation that she's alive? Is he deciding not to go after her because he knows it's her lightsaber? You know, mm-hmm. what is what is going on at that point? So. Yeah, so let's you know on that point actually because I want to say some more, but it's all about Ahsoka. So let's dive into Ahsoka. So chapter four. Um, actually, hold on before we dive into chapter four, um, we wanted to take a commercial break and give a shout out because something major is happening um, as we speak. The return season two of the Music Snobs podcast uh, is available. And um, we encourage you to subscribe. We do a show in tribute to a tribe called Quest and and Q-Tip, who celebrated his 50th birthday recently. Um, And uh, it is uh, (laughs) another return. It is the return of Scoop Jackson. Back to the fold. Yep, we are back. Scoop, Isaac Jahan, and me, Arthur. Um, You know, back at it. The band's back together. Band, yeah, bands back together. Yeah, check it out though. It's, uh, it's don't check it out right now. Wait till you after you finish this episode. But then after you finish this, go and uh, check out the Return of the Music Snob season two, um, Tribe Call Quest. So, uh, getting back to our breakdown of this final season, final arc of the Clone Wars, Star Wars Clone Wars series. Um, we've been breaking this down in chapters. Um, we just had the conversation about um, Anakin, second fate of Anakin Skywalker. So chapter four um, or chapter, wait a minute, what chapter is yeah, this? Chapter, chapter four. four. I'm sorry. Chapter four, the Phantom Hope of Ahsoka Tano. Um, so there's a lot to talk about with Ahsoka, but let's let's start at um, that tribute that you mentioned. So when she returns. Anakin very quickly arranges a tribute to her and talks to Rex and they, the clones decide amongst themselves to um, big up her in a, in a major mm-hmm. way. And we see the 501st um, gets together and paints the helmets with her, you know, with the, the orange paint to resemble her actual skin yeah. tone and the designs on her skin. Um, how did that come together for you? How did that feel for you? I thought it was a great tribute to the clones themselves I mean, to remind us that the, the, the shows themselves, the clones are as much of a main character as these individuals that we've been, you know, that we've been discussing. Um, 
And also, if I can just take a moment to insert this in here, mm. the the um, the final scene with Ahsoka um, after they she and Rex have um, if I guess buried all of the 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 bodies of the troopers that they that they found after their um cruiser that they were on board you know crash landed on this moon mm-hmm. um it was just a tribute to that the indiv- individuality of the troopers themselves even though in wars you know armies are talked about as if they are just you know objects and not made up of individuals mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, the respect that they had for uh, Ahsoka mm-hmm. because her and Anakin um, and, 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 you know, and, and Kenobi to a lesser degree, mm-hmm. right? to a lesser degree, you know, built friendships, uh, you know, and talked to them as individuals as opposed to subordinates. Yeah, I think Ahsoka and Anakin especially were in the trenches with the, with the clones. Um, we saw during that one arc, um, I think it was in season three, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. with the renegade um, Jedi Knight, um, Jedi General, the one who was actually, you know, a dark side. Right. And just throwing bodies at the problem. Right. <laughs> right. We saw him lead from behind. You know, that was his mm-hmm. MO, was that, you know, he would send clone troopers in um, and they would get, you know, eaten up. He had heavy losses every time, you know, he went on a campaign. He he was he was victorious a lot, but he had heavy losses. And he led from behind. They, he would send waves of clones in, and then eventually he would show up. This yeah. was in real direct contrast with um, with Anakin and Ahsoka, uh, where they would be at the front, and they were constantly in the trenches with their clones. Um, so I agree with you. Her 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 allegiance and her um, closeness with the clones uh, really shows in that that tribute. It was it was a really dope moment, man, to see. Mm-hmm. Especially, I loved it when. You know, she tells Rex, you know, I'm not uh, with the Jedi Order anymore. I'm not a general. So you, you don't have to call me commander. And he says, OK, commander, you know, this is like that's that's the the level of 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 love that they have for her. Um, but how did it feel? You know, her her big moment at the beginning was her and uh, Obi-Wan oh, square off. Oh. You know? oh yeah 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 yeah. So Obi-Wan, yeah. you know, announces even though after they have agreed to hell the Mandalorians, you know, Coruscant gets attacked. Um, which is all part of, by the way, side note, Palpatine is playing this beautifully because basically he sent, you know, he has Grievous out. First, he has Grievous out in the outer realms, you know, raising hell and which the Jedi order, you know, again, they shouldn't be generals. <laughs> they shouldn't be in mm-hmm. charge of this because mm-hmm. what do they do? Oh, mm-hmm. let's go send all our Jedi out to the outer realm, um, including Plow and uh, I think Secura or whoever, or, uh, as a list Secura. Let's send all our Jedi out there to deal with this. And basically it leaves the home planet, or at least the, the HQ, somewhat unprotected or somewhat on lesser duty, let's say. There's not as many people there as there should be. Yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, the other part of Palpatine's plan comes in. Now he now the separatists attack um uh the HQ and now all of a sudden Obi-Wan is like, we got to get back home. We got to get back to Curacao and because the, the uh, Palpatine is under attack, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to kidnap the chancellor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka, Ahsoka snaps off. Yeah. What I loved about this scene is that her snap off wasn't completely emotional. It wasn't irrational. It wasn't any of those things. It was very much like 
her taking her experience on 1313 and really seeing it like, listen, you guys are you, you guys are constantly worried about the chancellor and, you know, these politicians and this, that and the third. We have a chance to go help out real people on Mandalore mm-hmm. um, and you're turning your back on them as usual. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan even says that's not fair. And what does she say? I'm not trying to be fair. And I was yep. like, that was the moment I was like, I was like, Obi-Wan, just, 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 just be quiet, dude. Just be quiet. It's like, you're not winning this. You're not winning this one. No. Um, so how did, the, how did that scene hit you though? You know, I, it, it made me see immediately, okay, this is why we had four episodes of Ahsoka with the Martez sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave her, it, that was her first taste of, 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 of freedom. Mm-hmm. Just that little bit of time. And and the time that she's also spent with Pope uh, with Bo Katan mm-hmm. had given her some real clarity and be able to speak her mind about things that she probably had long felt but did not understand how to communicate it. She didn't understand what those feelings were. Right. Um, and and she yeah she she lit Obi Wan up. <laughs> she articulated it in a very in a way that you know he really was defenseless against. Um, and I think that, I think yeah. it exposed kind of Obi-Wan's blind side as far as when she said to him, you know, this, when she was really kind of lighting him up and then he said, well, even, you know, you have to understand this is a critical moment for the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And it, that his statement made him, made me understand he really does not get her point. Like he can't, like he can't see it. You know, he cannot yeah. see her point. Yeah. Um, and I think even Anakin realized that because he bartered a truce you know, yep. at that moment, because he yeah, he, he kind of saw this isn't going anywhere. And, and Anakin really, or uh, Obi-Wan isn't seeing where Ahsoka is coming from. But mm-hmm. I think that was a really important thing, which you just said, that these may these may have been things that have kind of grown in Ahsoka over over a period of time. And then her experience in 1313 helped her to are really articulate it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she know- has. I'm sure she has in her mind that story that the Martez sisters told her about how their parents died. Right. Um, and that image of, you know, the Jedi coming in there like the Avengers and, uh, and like Iron Man, Tony Stark described in Captain America Civil War talking about, yo, when we were, you know, over in, uh, 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 God, I can't remember the name of the, I know I, <laughs> I was saying the same thing, right, wherever they were at. And they were basically, you know, wrecking havoc. And uh-huh. the building falls on the brother and he's like, you know, we didn't even notice because we were busy kicking ass. That's yeah. what the Jedi were doing. And that's right. in that's in Ahsoka's mind. You know, it's like we're out here doing these things on our very righteous, you know, missions right. that we feel like this is the most important thing in the world. Meanwhile, these people just lost their parents. Um, right. So and we're not doing nothing about it. That point of view is something that point of view is something that, you know, Obi-Wan can, clearly could not get. No, because I think that he truly believes in the Republic. He truly believes in the idea that if we protect the top, then it's going to trickle down. <laughs> it's going to trickle on down to the people. Right. Yeah, yeah. Trickle down justice. Um, and you know, and I, I, I'll submit, I don't think he ever fully breaks away from that ideal, mm-hmm. even through, even through, uh, the even through episodes wars, four even and five, yeah, era, all that yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. That's interesting. I don't think he ever gets rid of that, you know, that 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 I ideal mm-hmm. of this is this is who we're really affecting, or this mm-hmm. is who we're really um, um, looking after, mm-hmm. protecting. 
We're protectors of the galaxy, but the galaxy are made up of more than just senators and chancellors. Right, right. And, and Obi-Wan has been the one, I think he, he said before that he doesn't like politics or he doesn't like politicians or whatever, but the alliance, his allegiance to the Jedi Order and the, the lofty kind of, um, I guess, viewpoints of the of the Republic. I agree with you. I think he's always been aligned with that. And he's he's very aristocratic. You know, he's very mm-hmm. aristocratic. And I think that that is what put him at odds with Ahsoka in that scene. So let me ask you this, though, you know, staying on Ahsoka, you know, this chapter is called The Phantom Hope of Ahsoka Tano. And I think she, in a way, you know, represents what kind of the hope of what the Jedi could be. In other words, take away some of that arrogance, take away some of that lack of being able to see the granular, being able to see the micro instead of just the macro. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that in many ways she represents kind of, and again, I, I, I hate to keep using this term, but I think it's accurate, a more human um, Jedi, a more, you mm-hmm. know, um, down to earth Jedi. I kind of feel like, and that's why I say she's maybe the phantom hope um, that doesn't become realized because all is lost, you know, once we get to the end of this, this episode and, and into the revenge of the Sith. But let me ask you, does, does Yoda see something that maybe the rest of the Jedi council can't see because he, he virtually asks her. And I think it was in, in a, a shattered, he asked her, you know, he doesn't say it, but he yeah. basically asked her to come back to the order again. Yeah. Because he says to her, you know, you did a great service to the Republic. And she was like, you know, I was just doing my duty as a citizen. And oh, mm-hmm. and Yoda mm-hmm. says, Oh, not as a Jedi. And that was basically mm-hmm. like saying, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can come back. You know, we still want you. I still want you. You know, right. I kind of see that in Yoda. Even he even hangs around after everybody else signs off and asks her, do you have something else you want to talk about? You know, yeah. so did you, I mean, it was that just me? Yeah. Or, you, know, you saw that too. No, no, no. I know that was, that was Yoda reaching out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that, I think, that, I, I don't, I don't know, man. It's like in a, in a sense, in a sense, I felt that Ahsoka didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Or she that didn't he, trust that she didn't get that reach out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that was part of the reason why she did not tell Yoda, take him up on his offer mm-hmm. to tell her, Yoda what Maul revealed to her about, or at least just what he said mm-hmm. about Skywalker and Sidious, about Anakin and Sidious, you know? Um, but I also think that Yoda who, I mean, let's face it, Yoda, unless he's talking about the force, mm-hmm. he really ain't direct about anything. You know, <laughs> he's very, it's not, it's not like a cagey thing, mm-hmm. you know, but it, but he speaks in, he speaks in suggestion. He speaks in question. He speaks in, um, principle right. and philosophy and example, right. you know, but you know, let him break. Let him break down the symbiotic nature of of the mitochondrions and how we're all connected. He gonna have a whole little mini seminar with the clones, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying, and pick all that apart, right? <laughs> right, a thesis statement. Otherwise, yeah. he he does speak in. He almost speaks in morals. You know, he speaks in morals a lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, you know, he's he's you know he's like eight nine hundred years old. So mm-hmm. I mean, there is a generational disparity between the two yeah you kind of um, wonder if when baby yoda starts talking on the mandalorian is he going to talk like that as well <laughs> is he going to be like right it's like you know a little baby a little toddler speaking in and yoda speak that'll be interesting 
So, but let me ask you. So at that moment, cause that, that really stuck out. That really hit me too. When Yoda gives her an opportunity to say more with just uh-huh. him and her in the room and Ahsoka chooses not to tell, you know, Hey, Maul yeah. is saying that, you know, uh, Anakin is the Phantom Apprentice, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, damn, that may have changed everything. You that know, really could have changed what, what everything. What would have happened had she shared that with him? Would Yoda have, you know, taken that to heart and done something about it? Because remember, this is after season six when Yoda has those visions and he goes on that quest and he, you know, sees the, the end of the war and, you know, the coming darkness. So Yoda has some knowledge of mm-hmm. what's going to happen and, you know, how bad this shit is really going to get. Would her words have made him, sparked him into action more? Because what, really quickly, what got me is that to the Jedi Council and the Republic, they feel like this is just another mission. You know, it's like, they're like, yeah, bring Maul back here. We'll question him. We'll find out more. We'll get more mm-hmm. information. about. And Maul is like, y'all don't understand. <laughs> this shit ain't happening next week. It's not happening next month. We in it. We in it. You know, it's happening mm-hmm. right now. So there's no time to waste. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder had... Ahsoka shared this with 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 Yoda. Which would he have gone? Okay, listen, I need. Let me go talk to Skywalker now. You know, what I'm saying we need to. I need to, you know, communicate with him or finally maybe bring him under my wing more. Do something. Um, mm-hmm. I, just, I wonder. But that I say all that to say that that moment really stuck out to me because that was just another one of those Star Wars moments where everything could have changed had somebody said or done something. Yeah, and I do. Th- I think that's the fault of of youth too. I mean, you know, you have children. There's a lot of information that you know, that you know, mm-hmm. that that you're not going to communicate to your child because they don't need to know that. Right. Right. It's, it's take, too, take too long to break down. You got to go through <laughs> all explaining all kind of stuff. Waste right. a whole lot of time. Right. Right. But if you're, but if your child communicates one sliver of information that seems inscrutable, inconsequential to them well nah I'll wait till I talk to mom <laughs> then it, it's a, the, right. you know it, 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 it's a whole shift right cataclysmic <laughs> it's like it says it could potentially have cataclysmic repercussions but if you just ha- if you just had that one sliver of information mm-hmm. then you could have shut everything down so I believe that had 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 <laughs> had Ahsoka told and uh, had Ahsoka told Yoda what Maul said about Anakin mm-hmm. I think Yoda went and went would have went straight to Sidious mm-hmm. just cut cut just cut through all of that and gone and gone right to the may, top he, yeah he may have realized if she if she would have said to him listen whoever the Sidious cat is he's been grooming Anakin to be his apprentice that right. may have clicked in Yoda's mind oh shit Palpatine has been, you know, trying to spend a lot of time. His, right, know, right, they, right, exactly. right. They've been spending a lot of time together. They've been a lot exactly. of time together. <laughs> They've been hanging out. He's tight, always requesting him. Right, right. Anakin's always bringing him his coffee. It's <laughs> right. like they've been doing stuff for a while. So he wouldn't went right night. to because Yoda. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yoda's wise enough to know that that the, the Sith mm. that they're trying to uncover is a puppet master. Right. So yeah. talking to Anakin he really not going to get, he's only going to get, but so far, so, so much he, information. He might've put a, he might've put a and B together. Found C went directly to Palpatine. Right. I, I know who you are. 
you know right. this you know they should they should really think about doing a what if series for Star I'm telling Wars, you because even Mace Windu <laughs> I would love to see that I would love to see Yoda just pop up on Palpatine unexpectedly and yeah. just be like yo I know who you are and then they get down right there that'd have been dope because even Mace Windu you know in the film was like a Sith Lord like he you know what I'm saying <laughs> Listen, you know, we, Yoda would have been like that, that. Yeah, that is another episode we have to do. Is that the the cluelessness of the Jedi Council? Um, I got a lot to say about that. Um, okay, so before we move off of Soka, though, I wanted to a um, couple more things really quickly. Her scene with Rex, um, obviously, you know this this really, especially the last episode, the last two episodes, shattered and a, a victory and death, really dove into not only her relationship with the clones, but sp- uh, specifically her relationship with Rex. Uh, mm-hmm. We already knew how close, you know, Anakin and Rex were, um, especially a- a- as far as we know, Rex is the only one he confided in with about his relationship with, um, right. with, uh, right. with Padme. Right. Um, but at the moment when, you know, in uh, The Phantom Apprentice, I think when they, ju- or no, his old friends not forget- never forgotten when uh, Ahsoka jumps off the, the ship with, you know, Rex and says, I'll beat you, you know, first one down. Let's see who can, you know, who can be the first one down. Mm-hmm. And then they they get back in battle together. You really see that sense of kinship between these two. It really came to to bear to me though, when Ahsoka was looking for his chip, um, she had him in the medical bay and they were trying to find mm-hmm. his chip and they couldn't find it. And she puts it, her hands on his cheeks and she starts chanting, you know, I am one with the force. Um, the force is with me. The force is with me. Mm-hmm. And it brought me, of course it brought me to Rogue One, but then it also hit me that uh, Rex started chanting it. You know, this is a clone, um, mm-hmm. you know, who we've we we know they're they're human, but, you know, they've been dehumanized to a certain degree. But here is another assertion of humanity. And it happened in a moment between Ahsoka and Rex. I thought it was beautiful to see them chanting that together. And then the end result is they're able to find the chip. Um, I thought that was a really moving moment. Yeah, I, I think that um, because of the relationship that Rex had with Anakin, um, Rex really cared about Anakin and he identified that Anakin really cared about Ahsoka thereby Ahsoka's important to Rex you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying mm-hmm. and, and I think that not just that on face value but the but the the you know the battles that they've been in um, where they've looked out for each other Rex and Ahsoka mm-hmm. um, I think he trusts her and if you remember something that really really jumped out to me was when Order 66 was going down and Ahsoka actually interrupts um, Rex talking with the um, the hologram of Sidious who's giving Rex the order mm-hmm. and, you know uh, activate order what is it activate order 66 yeah mm-hmm. um, execute 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 order 66, execute order 66. Right. when Ahsoka interrupts that before Rex completely falls victim to to the order it's like he he, fine fives fine fives so Mm -hmm. he's so it's like for the last bit of control that he has over his own mind Mm -hmm. he gives Ahsoka this assignment um Mm -hmm. and that's trust Mm -hmm. there's there's you know she she tells him you know I could have never asked for a better friend you know than you Mm -hmm. talking to Rex and yeah, that moment hit me. The moment you just described hit me. And then when they are, you know, under attack by the rest of the clones and Rex is clearly, and we'll get into this in the next chapter um, a little bit more deeply, but in the, in the final chapter, 
Rex is clearly, you know, he's he's breaking, he's falling apart because he's basically, right. you know, having he's having to go, you know, go to war with his brothers. Right, right. And in that moment, he just his his shoulders slump just slightly, and his head falls a little bit, and Ahsoka realizes what's going on with him. You know, she realizes exactly what's happening. She realizes he's crying, and for a clone, mm-hmm. you know, clones are as he says, they're engineered, they're designed to resist stress. The design, they're, they're designed to do all these things. Crying is not part of their natural function. You know, having a breakdown is not part of the natural function. So yeah. she reaches up in a very tender way and takes off his helmet and just looks at him. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, I mean, it was it was it was beautifully written, beautifully handled. Um, so in that moment, again, you see see the closeness between them. And then she and earlier than that. And this is something important earlier than that. She had confided in him that listen you know jedi were meant to be peacekeepers but ever since i was a padawan ever since i've been a, been uh trained as a jedi i've been a soldier you know because it's been this this war that's all i've been doing yeah. um and rex feels the same way and we'll talk about what he said in a minute but that brings me to the last moment that we see ahsoka in this series she's standing in front of all of those um helmets the fallen the fallen clone war clone troopers um that her and rex had just buried and again, all she's known is war, is war, just like these clones. And she drops her lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think was going through her mind when she dropped that lightsaber? Maybe she, I think she was assessing what all of it was for. And um, maybe questioning her, because what, you know, the, the lightsaber is a weapon of the Jedi, of a Jedi Knight. And she's never gone through the trials. She's technically still a Padawan. She's technically not even in the order. Right. And I think that, that, you know, by dropping the saber was her way of um, accepting that the war is done. Mm -hmm. And that this, and that this tool is no longer needed. And that she's got to make a decision on her own on what, 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 where her path really lies. Yeah, I agree, especially that last part. She has to make a decision on her own. I think though also it was her deciding that for her personally, their war the war was over. No more mm-hmm. war. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, it harkens back to that statement she said to Rex, All I've known is war. You know, ever since I've joined the Jedi Order, all mm-hmm. I've known is war. Yeah. And I feel that she had and you know, she had two lightsabers, I believe, still. She I, did. I, don't, I don't think she lost the second one. I think she's so technically she still got one with her, you know, when she walks away. Um, but her the symbolic dropping of that lightsaber, I feel, was her saying, regardless of what happens, because at that point her and Rex don't know everything that's going on in the galaxy. They just know there's right. chaos. Um right. so I think she, she's saying, regardless of what happens next, I'm done. You know, no more war. Mm-hmm. Uh, which for me really, man, really makes me interested in seeing what happens the next day and the day after that. Uh-huh. It's rumored that there's going to be a series, and we'll talk about that that at the end. But now at that point, I was hoping, man, I kind of want to see the next adventures of Ahsoka and Rex. Um, okay, let's move on to the final chapter. Um, and I save this one for last because this is my guy. This is called mm-hmm. The Clone Wars. So, yo, we going out on The Clone Wars note. I don't, you know, I, I love Ahsoka love uh uh you know anakin and obi-wan and, and maul but this series to me was about the clone troopers and the best clone trooper over them all is rex so 
Chapter five, the fallen brothers of clone trooper Rex. Um, let me jump this off really quickly by saying every time a clone dies, as, I, as I've watched the clone wars, every mm-hmm. single time a clone dies, I don't care how random it is. I always have this quick thought of, you know, of sorrow because they had no choice. You know, they right. they didn't choose to be in this war. They were made they were made to be in this war. They were just mm-hmm. created for this war. There was mm-hmm. never any choice. And that's come to me, you know, there's there's a episode, I can't remember the name of the episode, a couple, you know, maybe it's in season three or four, I think. Um, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and some other Jedi master, I forgot his name, real short, small guy. Um, they're on a mission. Ahsoka's there with a bunch of clone troopers. Uh, the short Jedi master gets killed. Um, Jedi Knight gets killed. He gets mauled by some dog, some wild, like, you know, mm-hmm. wolf thing. And keep in mind that prior to that, a bunch of clone troopers had died, right? This cat gets killed. This Jedi uh, master Knight gets killed and they stop and have a funeral for him mm-hmm. <laughs> in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll never forget that. Cause I was like, hold on. Didn't a bunch of clone trooper. It was just, it, it angered me. Cause I'm like the clone It's like the Jedi, you're going to stop to have a mm-hmm. funeral for this dude. But then all these yeah. clone troopers that got killed, didn't they don't deserve an honor. That's always well, bothered that's, me. That was that was uh, Ahsoka's argument to Obi Wan. Um, at which point? Oh, you talking about oh, just in general. Mandalore? I'm saying, yeah, Mandalore. right, right, right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, you know, Palpatine, he fell down. You right. about to go take the whole arsenal back? <laughs> right, right. So I, I feel that that conflict of them not having that choice has always been with me. But it really got brought, I think, full center for me um, in this arc when Rex is talking to Ahsoka and he says to her, you know, many people wish it meaning the war many people wish uh-huh. it had never happened but without it we clones wouldn't exist yeah and that defined you know the conflict that rex and a lot of the clones feel um that maybe deep down inside they don't want war either even though they're engineered for it maybe they like a lot of other people don't want a, the war but they're thankful to the war because they wouldn't even be there they wouldn't exist mm-hmm. without the war mm-hmm. um so how, how did you what did you think about that well it's an interesting uh, it's, it's 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 kind of a paradox, right? Um, you you're you're designed for this function, um, and now that there's no need for the function, it's like, what do you do? You know, and I think that that also fuels uh, Rex's conflicted feelings and many other clones. Um, because yes, if it wasn't for this war, we wouldn't exist. Now that there isn't no war, what are we going to do? Um, which is, you know, probably a question that many former slaves have had in their minds. Um, because in this case, you know, there are no Jedi to serve, Mm -hmm. you know, there, at least for Rex having, um, having had his, uh, inhibitor chip disabled he knows that he can't go to the empire he knows what his fate would be right and he wouldn't want to serve them anyway right yeah yeah and i i think that that you know and I, that's a, you know something i want to see how you know because when we see him again in rebels we know that gregor and i think wolf i think it's the other one um the other clone that also have their inhibitor chips removed um so they're you know and they're hanging out you know in their old age so at right. some point, you know, he encounters them. I would also want to know, okay, how did they do it? And are there other clones? You know, are there any other clones that either 
have their chips removed or maybe their chips malfunction. They didn't they didn't execute order 66 because um, to your point, without that, without the, you know, the directive of order 66, you're left outside of this. You know, you're, you've left you're leaving outside of this your this empire because you know that you're going to be charged with treason because um, right. you didn't execute order 66. So as a clone, you know, engineered for war without a war to fight, what are you what's up? What are you going to do? And I think that's right. the next chapter of um, Rex's story that I think is very interesting. Um, it, it did. It did strike me that, you know, like you said, he was able to fight off Order 66 for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the strength of Rex's resolve and his affection towards Ahsoka, that he was able to say, you know, find him, find him, you know, find him fives, you know, mm-hmm. and, and get that little bit of information off there, which helped her, obviously, because that's what led her to look for the files. You know, I wonder... I wonder what happened with the Bad Batch. That's, that's shit. Everybody down. wants to know that. <laughs> Were they? Did they have an inhibitor chip, or did they? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's it's likely that they may not have had that chip. They they were mutations. They were yeah. made, you know, for different reasons. So it's likely they may not have. And been. now echoes with them. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's and and who knows? Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. And we'll, we'll get into that at the end of this episode. But it wouldn't shock me if we get if we do get some of these answers. Um, so let me ask you though, at the point when everything jumps off in victory and death, um, and you know, Rex has had his inhibitor chip removed. Um, so he's, you know, he's back in his right straight state of mind, but he understands that the rest of his brothers are trying to kill him and Mm -hmm. kill Ahsoka. Um, it hit me that, you know, Ahsoka makes the point, I'm not going to kill them, you know? Um, so set your, set your blasters on stun. Yes it kind of struck me that she had to tell Rex to do that. Rex was ready to go out blasting. And (laughs) yeah, I noticed that right later on. There's some really, you know, like we mentioned a few minutes ago, there's a big conflict, you know, a big moment where he has a breakdown. But at that point, when he first gets off of the operating table, he's ready to go out, you know, guns blazing. And I'm taking some of these cats with me. And mm-hmm. I think I wondered, and I want to get your point of view because I thought maybe this is just a, a side product or a byproduct of his engineering that it's, you know, kill or be killed, you know, and, and is that just how clones are designed? Well, I thought it was different. I, I thought it was a situation of, well, look, I know what they're capable of, so I'm not really trying to play with them. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to get out of here, then we just need to, this is my default setting. <laughs> right that's what that's what kind of what i thought is default setting yeah you know but yeah. ahsoka being of the mind that she's not trying to kill anybody how can we get this through so here's something that's interesting i just thought of this so my one complaint about ahsoka has always been she's the one that serves as the conscience mm-hmm. well we're not supposed to do this we're not supposed to do this but she never has a better plan until now. we don't <laughs> until now we don't see that until after her time with the martez sisters mm-hmm which is a good thing. You know, it adds to her growth. And she, I think, I think now we see her as a true leader mm-hmm. and um, someone who is, or at least trying to be, you know, a problem solver mm-hmm. instead of looking to, because otherwise it might have been, you know, Rex, Rex, what are we going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that it is a, a level of maturity for her. And I think it's a, you know, for all intents and purposes, she's a Jedi Knight in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. um, not just mm-hmm. in terms of actual skill, but also in her her leadership abilities. Um, and that's why I said in, in her chapter, you know, that's why we called it the Phantom Hope, because yeah. I think she is kind of the hope of what the Jedi could 
you know, almost aspire to a more grounded understanding of who really needs their help. Kind of almost a return to what they used to, you know, the rumors of what they used to be um, before this time in the in the uh, in the in the in that era of them, you know, being soldiers. Um, so Rex, you know, he does, like I said, he, he initially set his blasters to, to go ahead and, and take cats out, but he turns, he sets his blasters to stun. Um, but then we do see him have that, that breakdown, you know, he kind of, everything hits him and he realizes he's looking down at Jesse. He's looking down at all these clones. He served with many of them still wearing, you know, the helmet, mm-hmm. um, from that specific company of the 501st who had, you know, painted the helmets to rep to, uh, honor Ahsoka. They're down there. And yeah, it is a moment where it's like, he's really realizing what's happening. And I wish they would have had more time to go into it, but I don't know. For me, they handled it perfectly, you know, to see him break down. I thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It'd be, this would be tragic if the clones, if a, you know, a group of clones like Jesse and the rest of the five or the whole five of first have been like, you know what? We sick of this. You know, the Jedi don't know what they're doing. We're going to, you know, go a different way. We're going to do our right. things our way. Right. That would have been tragic, you know, because him, he was still been pitted against his brothers and mm-hmm. some of them were going to die. And that would have been mm-hmm. tragic. But the greater tragedy is that they had no choice. He's he's facing Jesse and the rest of them knowing that if I could just get them in a medical bay for a minute, I could remove their chip and yeah. we'd be all good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It'd be, yeah. They had no choice. They were created as pawns. They were used as pawns. Um and it's, it, it, there is a parallel between that and, you know, um, Maul's story as far as being, you know, used as pawns. Fortunately for Rex, he doesn't follow the sort of nihilistic, you know, principles that, that Maul has as far as, you know, it's all going to burn to hell with everything. Rex still finds something to believe in. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's part of his DNA as a clone. He needs something to believe in, something to honor, something to be loyal to. Um, but there is a parallel there. And I thought that was the greater tragedy. The fact that, and I felt it is watched while I was watching it. I'm like, man, these cats had no, they really have no choice. And all it would take was be, would be to remove their inhibitor trip, their chips. And mm-hmm. it really hit me when you see that final scene, Rex finishes. And it was, this is, I mean, listen, man, this was, we can't say enough how beautifully done this was. You just hear the music. Um, there's no dialogue. Um, which happened a lot in the last three or four episodes. There'd be periods and no dialogue, just Kevin Connors' yeah. music um, mm-hmm. and the emotion, it ratcheted the emotion up. And then there was one couple scenes where they didn't have any music or anything. It was just, you know, uh, this, the vibration of the, the lightsabers. But in this scene, we hear the music, um, the, the camera pans, you see Rex has just finished, you know, b- you know, digging graves. And then, man, when that camera goes over and you see all those graves of all those clones, all those helmets, yeah. all those helmets wearing Ahsoka's um, face paint and then it pans further right and you see Jesse's helmet. Oh, that was Mm -hmm. the gut punch. That was the gut punch. And I'm like, you know, this was a moment, you know, for Rex in particular, he's had to bury all his brothers knowing that they had no choice in what they did, you know, and they died for it. Yeah. Um, Does it, I guess, do you think, you know, we, we wonder where Rex goes without a war to fight where does Rex go without his, his brothers? You know, where does he go? What does he do? Is that, is that, you know, we see where he eventually ends up in rebels. Um, right. He does. I mean, exile, exile is a big theme in star Wars. Cause you know, stuff jumps off. It's like, I can't be around anybody. 
mm-hmm. because um, I mean it's funny. I mean it's almost like social distancing, mm-hmm. right? It's like I can't I can't be around certain areas and a lot of people because those people at this point are stormtroopers, basically converted <laughs> clones. Right. You know what I mean? Or those people are you know the remnants of the Jedi who don't trust me, which was Rex's issue in rebels mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, where um, Kanan doesn't trust Rex mm-hmm. because he knows, yeah, he knows what a, happened. Yeah. A clone killed his master. Right. He knows what, he knows what can happen. Right. So it's just a hard, it's a hard position to be in. And I think that the very nature of, um, well, the very, the, the, the fact that the fact that Rex is keen and understands the idea that we were created for this purpose. Ergo, our fate is to be discarded to begin with. Mm-hmm. He knows that he's destined to a life of solitude mm-hmm. in order to survive. Right. And it's, I think it's one thing to live in solitude. It's another thing to know that your entire, because we're talking about the end of his, his race, you know, because yeah, yeah. The clones die out. Camino gets shut down at some point. They're not, re- you're not creating any more clones. I don't know how many clones, you know, we did see that episode of the clone wars where that one clone had, you know, Rex comes he across that clone and, and everything. Left. Yeah. yeah he, he had a family. He, had got, he fell in love, got, you know, uh, got married, mm-hmm. had a family. So maybe there's other clones out there and then their, you know, their offspring carries, you know, right. part of them. So not to be too dramatic and say their entire race has, has died off, but to a large extent, once these clones, you know, get old and die, um, and then, you know, the, the empire is not, you know, creating any more clones. Um, they're kidnapping kids evidently and forcing mm-hmm. them to become clone or to be stormtroopers. Um, yeah. I, he's not only isolated, he's looking at the end of his, his kind, you know, and that's, Correct. that's, Correct. that's, that's deep. So that leads us into the, um, to the end of this episode where we wanted one last thing we want to dive into. And that is, you know, what's going to happen next. It is rumored that another animated series is coming soon from from a Lucasfilm, um, and actually, um, our guy on a, one of our followers put it. Um, actually, touched on this in a tweet recently. Uh, Sylvester Mata said uh, the Clone Wars seem to have redeemed um, after Rise of Skywalker, the Star Wars universe in story content, character development, and overall satisfaction. Um, so where do they go from here? What should they do with this added fan energy? So thanks. First of all, thanks, Sylvester, for hitting us with that. But also, you know, we don't, you know, neither one of us, me and me and you, Arthur, neither one of us yeah. are Rise of Skywalker fans. But I've always said that, listen, I know there's a lot of people who are Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. fans. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I respect that. Um, but I think that it's not it's I think what Sylvester is saying is true, is that um, overall, you know, if we are being honest about it, the excitement about the uh, sequel trilogy wasn't what Lucasfilm wanted it to be. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. at the point that they, you know, even though it made a lot of money, even though a lot of people loved it, there was a lot of people who didn't like it. And it, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of um, negative energy about it. So where, you know, again, now that we're in this high point of, you know, Clone Wars, Mandalor- Mandalorian, you know, whatever else is coming from Disney plus for the animated thing, do you think that we're going to get, you know, what happens next with Ahsoka and Rex, or are we going to go to, you know, end of rebels and see what happens with Ahsoka and Sabine? You know, what do you, what do you think is going to happen next? 
Um, I think next up would be a continuation of Rebels. Uh, where, huge spoiler alert if you haven't seen Rebels, but where uh, um, Sabine, who is a Mandalorian, um, and Ahsoka travel to find Ezra, who is uh, a Jedi trained by Kanan, whom mm-hmm. I referred to earlier. Um, that's probably the that's probably the best bet because I think that this season of Clone Wars has has elevated Ahsoka. Mm. I think she's I mean she's always been a fan favorite, but she's been um, um, she's been outshined by the Skywalkers, mm. you know. And now that that story is 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 wrapped. Um, I think, I think she's going to be the. I think she's going to be elevated to you know a tier one draw mm-hmm. as a character. Mm-hmm. And testimony to, testimony to that is that uh, she's going to appear in the live action Mandalorian season yeah. two, yeah. which you know we feel some kind of way about. But it's nice to it's 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 nice to see Rosario back. Yeah, back I mean, listen, I, yeah, I, I love any chance for to see Rosario Dawson. I think though. For me, that Mandalorian announcement that, again, like you said, we're not, you know, we've said it before that we kind of have mixed emotions about that. Because um, for me, well, I'm not even going to say I have mixed emotions. For me, seeing Ahsoka in these last four, in this this season, especially these last four episodes, definitely elevated her even higher for me, even though she was already very high for me. Um, cause I loved her in rebels. Um, I loved mm-hmm. her, you know, many, many times I loved her in the clone wars, the original clone Wars series, but, um, I loved her seeing her as a grown, a grown adult, a grown woman in, uh, uh, rebels. Um, but yeah, this last, these last four episodes brought her up even higher, but it also solidified in my mind. I don't want a live action, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I, I love Ahsoka as a animated, you know, character. Um, and what I would love to happen is to see, I thought I wanted to see what you said, more of what happens when her and Sabine leave to find where the hell Ezra went, mm-hmm. um, and, and Thrawn, <laughs> let's not leave yeah. out Thrawn. Yeah. Um, but after seeing this man, after that last scene with her and Rex, now I want to know, and maybe it's cause it's so fresh in my mind, but now I want to know what happens with her and Rex, you know, where do they go okay. from there? Mm-hmm. Um, we know that this is, you know, there's a good, I don't know, 10 years maybe before Rebels picks up, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a lot of room for them to play in. Um, it'll be during the time of the Galactic Empire, the rot, the, you know, the full might of the Galactic Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll have concurrently going on, you'll have the Obi-Wan stuff, the Obi-Wan series. So I, I, I kind of just want to see her grow into the fulcrum, you know, that we see in Rebels. I want to see how I that, would like that, that too. Yeah, I yeah. did. I would like that. And I kind of exp- I, I was hoping to get uh, some answers um, in Clone Wars, but I didn't get that. And mm-hmm. it does look like um, um, it does look like that that's something that could be explored. Mm hmm. I hope so. And I, I want more Rex. I want more young Rex before we get to, you know, I love seeing Rex and rebels, but I want more young Rex, you know, at his, when he's at his, his, in his prime. Um, so that's, that's my, that's my hope and wish. So listen, um, let's wrap it up there. I think, you know, I, there's a couple of things I think we should, you know, in future shows, um, dive into 
and explore, especially when maybe the summer when there's not as much going on, um, mm-hmm. the theaters don't open up and, and we don't really have a whole lot to talk about. I think that there, there's some thematic things here that we discussed that we can actually go into more detail about. Um, and then when the Mandalore, the Mandalorian returns, I think that we may want to return and see these four episodes through the eyes of the Siege of Mandalore. Um, cause that really got overshadowed by everything happening with, you know, uh, Ahsoka, Rex, Anakin, you know, the fall of the, uh, the Republic, but the siege of Mandalore did happen. And we got some right. really great, great scenes with Bo-Katan and, uh, yeah. uh, Saxon and the rest of them. Um, great action scenes, you know, it got really, you know, if you, it, it, it informed me a little bit more about the Mandalorian culture, as far as these are warriors, man, these, these cats go at it. Um, so I think that maybe we'll return to these four episodes and see it through the eyes of the Mandalorians um, once the Mandalorian series returns, because um, mm-hmm. I think it informs him and, and it informs Din Jarden a little bit more um, when we learn more about his people. All right. I'm a little worried about season two now because of the return of Boba Fett. Yeah, uh, I just be. feel like I feel like I feel like these episodes are going to be yeah. stacked unnecessarily with these characters. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't want that show to become a clearinghouse. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a Boba Fett fanatic like a lot of people are. I'm not sure why they exist, you know. But <laughs> we'll get into that. Maybe next show that was what we'll talk about. But I, you know, I'm I'm with you. I, I don't want. I don't want to see the Mandalorian overshadowed, especially since I like him a lot more now than I ever liked Boba Fett. As far as my interest in him is much more than it was in Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, for obvious reasons, he has he has a story. You know, he has a much deeper story. Even though we got a lot of Boba Fett in the Clone Wars as a kid, we get you know the Mandalorian story is just much more interesting to me. So I'm with you. I don't want to see him overshadowed by Boba Fett. I don't want to see them just start throwing in you know a lot of characters in here that we don't need. But one thing that I learned in Mandalorian season one is I really trust in um, um, John. Uh, uh, Favreau, John Favreau's uh, storytelling, you know, his, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, he wrote most of those scripts, if not all of them. And, you know, from the, especially that first arc and that last arc, man, those last few episodes, um, I trust him, you know, as a writer. So mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see him guide this ship correctly. And hopefully maybe we'll, they'll, they'll even have a few more episodes um, next season. Um, they'll, they'll expand the episodes. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, as far as Clone Wars, I'm very happy with what we saw in these last four episodes. Very happy with season seven. Going to miss the Clone Wars. I'm going to rewatch the hell out of the Clone Wars. It's all on Disney Plus. Uh, I'm going to buy the Blu-ray, 4K, whatever when that comes out. Um, I'm hoping they're going to drop a you know full edition big box, yeah, yeah, big box with all the extras and booklets and interviews and behind the scenes. Um, cause you know, we talked about it before on the show. We both believe in physical media. Um, so I, I hope they drop that and I, I'll be first on in line to order that. Um, especially if we're still all stuck in the crib. All right. Full lid, Mad Unreal episode 17. Uh, reach out to us, uh, on Twitter. My handle is a R R T H U R R. And you can find me at, at Isaac Perry, I-S-A-A-C-P-E-R-R-Y on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So reach out, um, you know, reach out, weigh in. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Any questions? Any uh, any criticism? Um, every tweet, make sure you add the hashtag MadUnreal. And thank you for listening to this extra long episode exclusive dive in on the Clone Wars. And uh, we will see you ASAP. Um, Not only here, we'll see you on the music snob. So 
slide on over and check that out after you stop listening to us. All right. I'll holler at you soon. Okay, man. All right. Peace. Keep it unreal. (laughs) Peace.